Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is taken from the words of Jesus and our gospel lesson from Luke. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is our text. I surrender. When someone says that, they're usually saying, I lose. And that's exactly what Jesus is talking about when he tells us that whoever wants to save his life must lose it. Now this makes us pretty uneasy because we don't like to lose. Pastor Brandt, in his Word for Wednesday devotion this past week, mentioned the surrender of General Cornwallis to George Washington at Yorktown. Now, Cornwallis, who was the commander of the British Army during the American Revolution, really didn't like to lose either. But in the fall of 1871, he found himself surrounded by the American and French forces and came to the stunning realization that the war was over and he had lost. Now, this is a a famous painting of the surrender. Uh, This is hanging in the Capitol Rotunda in D.C. And as you can see, the title of the painting is The Surrender of Lord Cornwallis at Yorktown. But despite its name, can you guess who is not pictured anywhere in the painting? Lord Cornwallis. He could not bring himself to fully surrender. And by pretty much all of the historical accounts, he feigned illness and sent his second in command to surrender in his stead. Now we might consider this to be a little bit below his dignity as as general of the British Empire, but we can relate, can't we? No one likes to lose. We tend to agree wholeheartedly with the slogan immortalized by Galaxy Quest, never give up, never surrender. Even when you know you're going to lose, you fight to the death. You go down swinging. You go out in a blaze of glory. There's no end to the cliches. A winner never quits, and a quitter never wins. There's no such word as can't. And help me with this one. If at first you don't succeed, try try again. Although I personally prefer the slightly modified phrase, if at first you don't succeed, don't try skydiving. Just think about that one if you don't get it yet. But Jesus has his own sayings that are are deeper than these and far more paradoxical. Sayings like, whoever humbles himself will be exalted and whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Or, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Or how about our focus for today? For whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Now this is life under the cross. It's countercultural and downright counterintuitive. Here, Jesus is inviting us to lose on purpose. And if we do that, Jesus says, we will find that with him, even if we lose everything, we can't lose. So, what exactly does life under the cross look like? 
Well, one good answer to that question can be found in the title of our Believe chapter for this week. Total Surrender. And the scriptures teach us, uh, the first thing I must surrender is my sin. Now, we've already talked about the idea of of how surrender goes against everything we think is right. And I I think that's especially true for us in America, the, the land of the free and the home of the brave. Surrender suggests weakness, giving up control, letting my life be dictated by someone else's agenda and will. Surrender is not in our vocabulary. And so it happened that just this past week, a leading presidential candidate was asked in an interview if he has ever asked God for forgiveness. And he said, no, I don't think so. He said, that's not the way I look at it. If I do something wrong, I fix it myself. But God's word makes it clear to us that that's just not how it works. In fact, with his word, God mercifully brings us to the point where we can't help but admit that our life and our sin is entirely beyond our control. We Lutherans call that the second use of the law as God's holy word crushes any notions that we have of self-reliance and brings us to realize our need for a savior. Did God do that for you today as, as you heard a couple of his Ten Commandments in our Old Testament lesson or, or as you hopefully read all ten of them in our readings for this past week? He certainly did for me. He showed me once again that kindness of his that is meant to lead me to repentance, to confessing my sinfulness and confessing my sins and handing them over to him. Repentance is the first step to totally surrendering our lives to God. It's a step that simply cannot be skipped or sidestepped or skirted. Repentance is the first step to denying ourselves and taking up our cross to follow Jesus. Now normally, to surrender means to stop fighting and give in to our enemies. Under the cross, surrender means to stop fighting so that God can deal with our enemies. And he has. Through Christ's cross, he has destroyed sin and death and the power of the devil. He has swept away our sins in the raging flood of his love that is holy baptism. And we, like the people of Israel on the banks of the Red Sea, look upon his deliverance as the Lord fights for us. And we need only be still. And that's the trick, isn't it? Being still and knowing that he is God. To let God quiet our rage and quash our rebellion against him. Because in truth, God is not our enemy, though our our sins have tried to make him so. God is our savior from our enemies. And as such, he is our Lord and ruler, our master and commander. And so that means that our baptismal life is one of surrender, of losing on purpose, of taking up our cross daily, letting his love rule in our hearts and spill over into our actions as we continually renounce our sin and surrender it to him. Paul says about six chapters before our our key verse for today, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And so when I surrender my sin to God, I can also begin to surrender to him my will. 
This is essentially what Jesus is talking about when he tells us to deny ourselves and take up our cross to follow him. When he says, whoever would come after me, the the Greek word there is theleo, which indicates a, a strong desire or will to do something. Jesus is saying, if you desire to follow me, if that is truly your will to do so, that desire and will must trump all others. That means every aspect of our lives, every responsibility, every desire, every best laid plan, all of our hopes and dreams are to be put into submission to the will of God and his eternal purposes. Losing on purpose has a purpose, God's purpose. And surrendering our will to the Lord means that we desire him more than we desire anything or anyone else. In the words of Luther, we fear, love, and trust in God above all things. The first commandment is a call to total surrender. We have no other gods. We don't let anything stand in the way of God's rule in our lives. Not animosity toward others. Not our own personal ambition. Not the death of a loved one. Neither chronic pain nor terminal illness, neither fear of the future, nor our desire to dictate to God what that future ought to look like. Surrendering our will to the Lord demonstrates that we believe he knows better than we do, even when it looks like he knows nothing at all. He sees what we can't, and if we'll let him, he will conform our will to his and use our lives for his eternal purposes. Just look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Faced with his dreaded death, what does he say to his father? Not my will, but yours be done. And it was. Jesus totally and completely surrendered his will to his father. And his father's will was to rescue you and me eternally through his son's death and resurrection. So let's follow the son's example. Because in the end, God isn't interested in a conditional surrender. The call of Jesus to take up my cross, to lose on purpose, is a call to surrender my life. To say no to myself and yes to God. To die to myself so that I can live to God. Here's how Paul puts it in our key verse for this week. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. True worship replaces superficial living with sacrificial living. We sacrifice for our kids, for our retirement, for the good of others. Do we sacrifice for God? What does it look like when we do? In the Old Testament, God's people sacrificed animals, but but we no longer give to God the life of another creature. We offer him our own living selves. To offer yourself as a living sacrifice is to let God not just inform, but dictate your entire worldview. To let his word and his spirit pervade your every thought and decision. To shape your every word and action. It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind to present your body to him as an instrument of righteousness. 
And it's important that we remember that all of this is by the mercies of God. It is the cross of Christ that both enables and drives our surrender and our worship. Because God has devoted himself wholly to us, we devote ourselves wholly to him and place our very lives on his altar. But there is a problem with living sacrifices. As someone has written, they keep wanting to climb down from the altar. I know that I do. I have this nasty habit of reclaiming for myself those areas of my life I thought I had given over to God. I I tend to point over God's shoulder and say, what's that over there? As I kind of lower my white, white flag just a little bit. I put down the cross that my Lord Jesus has commanded me to take up and and hope that he doesn't really notice for a while. N.T. Wright has recently written, It has been axiomatic in America for some time that religion and spirituality must stay in their proper place, that is, away from real life. But as one American Christian has said, If your theology is not your biography, it's not your theology. If I consider my faith to be separate from or just one part of the rest of my life, I'm not really putting much on the altar. I haven't really surrendered much to God at all. Now, if that struggle rings true for you too, be encouraged today by four heroes of the faith that we read about together this past week. The first three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were threatened with death if they would not bow down to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And here's their response. The God we serve is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your hand, your majesty. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Now that is flat out total surrender. Living sacrifices, willing to die for their faith. Of course, we know that God does deliver them from the furnace and that Nebuchadnezzar himself bows down and worships the true God. But things work out differently for our fourth hero, Stephen. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's, even if he does not, ends up being the case for Stephen. And he demonstrates the same faith. As he's being stoned to death, Stephen looks up and sees Jesus in the heavens, laser focused on his Savior to the bitter end. That day, God held back his hand and brought Stephen to himself. Now, as Americans, most if not all of us are not threatened with death for our faith. For us, surrender might entail sacrificing a bit of our social status, giving up certain choices in entertainment, spending some of our disposable income on God's mission instead of on ourselves. But no matter what surrendering our life may look like on a case-by-case or day-to-day basis, it always means being faithful to the point of death and acknowledging where our lives truly are, no matter what, in God's hands and not in ours. Our hands are empty. You know, when the police tell someone to surrender, they, they always say, hands up. When we ride on a roller coaster, at least some of us anyway, we, we put our hands up in the air to, to let the ride do with us what it will. And that's the point, isn't it? <laughs> we lose 
on purpose. We live a hands-empty, hands-up life of surrender under the cross. Wholly given over to God's purposes. Not knowing the next turn or loop or tunnel. But relinquishing the reins and relishing the ride all the more for it. Knowing that God is going to take us where we're meant to go. We let God's total lordship over his universe and over our lives take effect in our hearts as well. We let Christ's cross become the pattern for our whole lives as his disciples, indelibly imprinted on us in every way. You know, Jesus' words in our text for today about denying ourselves, taking up our cross, about losing on purpose, come right on the heels of him predicting his own death. The great Martin Franzman, who is a poet and and was a a scholar and a professor and a, a hymn writer, he wrote this. The death of Jesus was no accident, no frustration of his mission, but the fulfillment of it. He went this way to Jerusalem, to rejection, suffering, and death under an inexorable must. And this must was for him no vague and impersonal fate, no external iron necessity, but the will of his Father. And now listen to this. And therefore, Jesus willed his death with his whole heart. Jesus is the ultimate exemplar of total surrender to God. And his death and resurrection have made our surrender possible and fruitful. He denied himself. He took up his cross and surrendered his life to God for you. He lived and died with hands empty and hands up, grasping nothing in his hands but the nails of our sin that held him up on the cross. And now, the living and dying and living again sacrifice of Jesus covers over all of your failures to totally surrender to God. Delivers forgiveness for every time you have have slipped or fallen or maybe even jumped off the altar. And gives you the power and the motivation to get back up again and to give everything back to God. This is what's so revolutionary about life under the cross. It is the living out of a love that conquers all, covers all, forgives all, and frees all. May that love be yours this week as you lose on purpose, surrendering your sin, your will, and your life to him. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God which transcends our understanding guard your hearts and your minds in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.